Greetings and welcome to episode 1.7 of my podcast. Today is a special episode because it features, for the first time in this podcast series, a contribution from a listener, an audio message where she comments on something I brought up in a previous episode. I'll get to that after just a couple of bits of business first. After listening back to the episodes after recording them, I noticed that I have one tendency I'm trying to steer in a better direction. That tendency is to start talking about something and making a point and then moving on to another topic without actually finishing making the point. For example, in an earlier episode, I was talking about how it felt strange to look back and talk about the way I was as a kid and teenager and even in my early adulthood because over the last five years in particular I've changed so much and I ended up mentioning just one area of interest that had become far more prominent than any of the other earlier interests I had in life and many of which have receded into the background and are no longer active interests. I mentioned only my great interest in music, exploring music, educating myself, opening up my horizons, and of course, making music, writing it. But that's just one area, and I didn't even bring up my writing interests, because I did start out as a writer, and I thought for many years that I would only be writing, that I would be a writer, and that would be enough. But over the years, I discovered that it wasn't enough. I needed other activities as well, and to be creative, and to explore many other areas. And I have found that all of these feed into each other and strengthen the others. I am still doing my 14-day quarantine, and today is day 7, so once this day is over, I'll be at the halfway point. But now I should let my guest talk. She sent a great contribution in the form of an audio message. My first ever message comes from Maren in Germany, who is a good friend. I got to know her when she was my boss on three computer games that I wrote for and did other text work for many years ago. She was my mentor in the game industry and she gave me my first opportunities to write something for games. Her message takes off from my comments in an earlier episode about how I feel that looking back on my own life, I feel that I am most likely actually an extrovert who got forced or pushed into an introverted lifestyle for several years in my teens. And then since then, I've been working to open up more, to reach out more, to be more socially able, because I missed out on social activities in those important years in our teens when we start getting more independent and learn socializing on our own. And now here is Maren. I will let her take the stage and I'm figuratively handing her the microphone so I won't interrupt her during this message. Here's Maren. Hey Zimo. As you said in your podcast, maybe someone uh, wants to send uh, a voice message. There were two things that came to my mind when I listened to your podcast yesterday and uh, one was that you said that you 
missed out as a teenager on social interaction and that this might have had a very deep impact. And it reminded me on an article that I just read about autism and that it is or was the understanding for a very, very long time and still is that autism comes with a lack of social interaction and social comprehension that you can't reach other faces and avoid eye contact and don't want to touch somebody. And I've forgotten his name, but a scientist said that he had studied a lot of data and that he came to a very different conclusion. And this is that autism or people with autism have a lack of sorting data in their brain which is um, it is proved and is, is known very widely and this can also happen when you don't have autism and it is something that uh, Paul has who is very um, quickly very erschöpft weary or tired of all information that is coming in and his brain has difficulties with sorting out stuff that is not important like uh, I don't know if you can hear that but in the background the washing machine makes a noise and the kids play with Lego and everything makes a noise and smells and there are lights and stuff like that and uh, especially because of his uh, hearing um, hearing lack Well, it's not lost, but uh, he has uh, hearing aids. And especially in larger groups with a lot of people chatting, this becomes very, very difficult. And um, he often needs a break then to, to refocus and to get some more energy again. And it's something we also notice with our son, Ivo. And that was um, the reason why I googled some things and um, yeah, came across this article about autism. I know a lot of uh, small children have um, behaviors that resemble autism, for example, that they want a very specific way of things to happen and things have to be the same every time. And if they change, it, yeah, it really upsets them. And we noticed that with Ivo, this is a lot a lot more than with our daughter Ida and Paul's nephew has autism so we were already a bit um, so so we know the topic and yeah always watch out for these things a bit more maybe than other parents and I don't think that uh, Ivo has Asperger's or autism but he has very clear a different way of approaching and focusing and working with the data and I don't know what rights in German it's rights rights is everything that you get with your senses and okay I, I really have to focus again on the article I read because uh, this scientist said that He doesn't believe that people with autism in general have a lack of of no not social interaction but um, a lack of understanding social action and being able to to use social interactions but that he says due to this 
problem with processing essential information or the, the huge amount of central information that we get every second, they tend to um, withdraw themselves from situations and especially in ages where people learn how to interact with other people and that this is the main reason why they have difficulties with social interactions. Not because their brain is not able to do this due to their special uh, special kind, uh, special way how they work, but it is due to the lack of practice and due to the lack of learning in this very key phases in their life and in their development. And he says that, in his opinion, um, this knowledge could help to improve a lot of the social interaction with children with Asperger's if we help them right from the beginning to learn how to cope with this enormous amount of sensual information. They don't have this overwhelming feeling and they don't withdraw themselves so much from situations and from interactions and from people in general and this will lead to a much better understanding and reading of people and emotions and I really like this article I don't know if it's true or true is maybe not the right word to say because I don't think it is not true I just think it really depends on the person itself and for autism there are very uh, autism spectrum I don't know if it's called in English as well. So there's a very wide range of this behavior, how how deeply you are infected and how much it affects your daily life. But I thought this was very, very good to see and to hear that it is a field where people still find ways how to improve the life of people with autism and it also gives an insight that these problems don't have to come with Asperger's or autism because every time someone misses out on these very important phases in their life where interaction with other people is a key learning in this development stage. And yeah, this was something I had to think about yesterday when I listened to your podcast. Many interesting comments and insights in this message. Apologies if there were any bad edits in this segment. There was a glitch when I was processing this. My own experience strongly supports the idea that this is not something that is necessarily fixed in stone. There is indeed this wide spectrum of autism and autistic behavior. There are people for whom it is far more difficult to change. But then there are also many people for whom change is possible, even to a very great extent. And a lot depends on whether they get the practice. I should mention a little bit about my background. I completed minor studies in psychology at university. But most of my learning in this area has come out of personal interest, both because these are questions that also 
I have had to consider in my own case, and looking back at my own life and trying to, of course, move in a better direction, and also because I know people who are at least to some degree autistic or have Asperger's type behaviors. Again, recapping what I said in an earlier episode, I feel like I started out as an extroverted child who had a happy childhood, and I don't remember social difficulties before the age of twelve. But then, because I missed out on those very important developing years where we usually get better at social interaction. We get thrown into situations where we interact with our peers, without parents present, and many f- friendships form, and so on. I did miss out on a lot of that, but since then, I have I continued to steadily work towards becoming better at it. And I'm not sure whether somebody who met me for the first time now, to what extent they could see traces of that. Quite extreme social awkwardness I used to have when I was younger. I also used to be very nervous about talking to strangers, but that changed already in my twenties because I just decided I want that to change, and so I started opening up more. And it's something that happens through practice, not being nervous around other people, and being able to be more relaxed about things. In my own case, I approached doctors many, many years ago when I started having very extreme sleeping difficulties. They had already started around the age of twelve or thirteen. That's a difficulty about making any definite conclusion about my past and the way I was then and the way I am now, because of course that was when puberty was starting. And there are changes in the body, and so on, hormonal changes, and others. And everyone starts having some kind of difficulties. I remember that I started having more difficulty sleeping around that time. There was also an event at that time when I was twelve, about whose impact I can't really be sure. And when I say impact, it was a literal impact. I hit my head quite hard. And when I say quite hard, I mean. There was a situation where、uh, somebody bumped into me, through no fault of theirs, and my feet were swept off from under me, and I took the blow fully on my forehead, the front of my head, which hit the ground and absorbed the full impact. So, if you imagine my midriff and pivoting around that with your legs going up. And your head going down. That's how hard I hit my head when I was at that age. Now, many years later, I started to question whether that might have had some effect on me. And I talked to doctors about it and asked to get some examinations done. But the only kind of examination they could do was an MRI, an MRI picture, which only shows the structure of the brain and not what is happening in the brain. So any changes that may have come about as a result of that, that might have explained my sleeping difficulties and other problems I was having, it wouldn't have been visible in an MRI picture. You only see the physical structure of the brain from that. So that remains a matter of speculation whether that had some effect on the way I was in my teens and 
and just on my life from that point on. I'm just mentioning it because it's also one possible factor. But whether my own challenges in connecting with people after that age and learning social interaction, becoming again more extroverted, like I started out being, I think I can safely say that in my own case I was able to make a great change. I remember still the time in my teens when I actually had to learn to keep eye contact. That might be something that's common in teenagers, but I think it was especially something I became aware of all these things where I was kind of lost in my own world because I was so isolated a lot of the time. So I had to consciously learn to keep eye contact and not just, you know, look somewhere else when somebody was talking to me. And when I was talking to the doctors about this possibility that hitting my head when I was young might have affected me quite deeply, the doctor who was evaluating me just based on conversations, he did say that there were some traits that might be described as typical to people with Asperger's, but I wasn't extreme enough to be diagnosed as Asperger's. I used to have a way more black and white way of thinking, like that things are either right or wrong, but that hasn't been true for some time now. So that wasn't something that was inherent in me as a person, as an unchangeable trait. That was something I learned, and I still even remember the times when I was learning that kind of thinking in my teens. So some part of it was the social isolation, just being so much by myself. Some of it was that I decided in a way, or had a tendency to go in the direction of wanting definite answers, that things need to be either this way or it's not right. Being able to say that this is the right way to do something and the other way would be wrong. There was no middle ground. This was quite a heavy delve into my past, but I only wanted to talk in such detail about it to make it clear that I'm speaking from experience and the difficulties I had in the past with social interaction, I believe I have mostly gotten over at this point in my life. I have of course no idea how I come across. I'm sure that there are still traces of that, but nothing about it, the way I was in the past, was impossible to change or fixed in stone. Psychologists and doctors and so on used to believe, I think, quite strongly that once you become an adult, only very little change is possible, if at all. To me, that's nonsense, based on my experience and what I have seen in other people. To me, the reality is that we keep changing throughout our lives, and it's just a matter of whether we believe that we can change and then start taking steps to change, or whether we indeed decide consciously or subconsciously without thinking to remain the same. To me, none of the really good and happy things in my life, in my adulthood, would have happened if I had believed that 
that's how my life is going to always be, because that was how it had been up to that point. I already mentioned that I also know people who have at least traits of autism, that they have some autistic elements in their personality, but that's a description. It's not something that needs to remain that way. And when I say that, I say it because I do see, of course, the unhappiness it can also cause when people have so rigid ways of thinking or reacting, because then they are not in charge of their own lives, really. If they are going along this track where they believe that they have the answers and other answers are wrong, or other opinions are wrong. I think that's something that can only lead to unhappiness for the person, him or herself, and other people that they interact with, their family, their friends, their loved ones, everyone that their lives affect. But also, very importantly, themselves. And that's why if someone has autistic traits or Asperger's traits, and if it is a part of their unhappiness, or they are just not happy as people because there are these ways that restrict their thinking or ways of reacting. That is something that only increases my sympathy. The change can only come from within the person herself or himself. It is not the business of anyone else to start changing another person. I think that's wrong. I hate all kinds of manipulation or attempts to change another person or to say that your opinions are invalid unless it's like a very extreme case. Of course there are some things that are always wrong and there aren't exceptions. I don't even want to mention them but everyone can think of many examples of things that are never right. But everything else in life falls somewhere in between where there's no clear right or wrong. And because I myself, at this stage in my life, I don't think that I have all the right answers. And I do not think that I know better than anyone else. The way I see it, all of us know some things better than other people, or have a deeper understanding of them. But then, that is true of everyone else also. No one is an expert in every area. And the reason for change, of course, ultimately, or the motivation why somebody might choose to change and start working towards that is to live a happier life and one that can be more joyful and worth living both for the person themselves and others. Those are my current thoughts on this. The reason I was going to such detail was to make it clear that I believe in the possibility of change for everyone, change for the better, happier and less bound and controlled by our past selves and also others. I hope I said something worth hearing or thinking about, but even if not, I hope that you have a happy day ahead, and before that, if you are going to sleep now, a very good night.